0: Hello, I'm Dr. Anna sulan Mussing, and I'm host of the podcast, Taste of Place, part of the Whetstone Radio Collective. This podcast investigates our relationship with nostalgia, the past, and our place in the world through taste. And we're starting with Pepper. I speak with scientists, academics, chefs, farmers, a perfumer, and many more to bring the tangible and theoretical together. So tune in and subscribe to Taste of Place on your favorite podcast app now.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind the Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one, and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library, one dish at a time. Follow the one recipe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Climate Cuisine listeners. We have a little treat for you. We're sharing an episode of the new podcast, Unpacked from Afar Magazine, a show that offers clear, thoughtful tools for travelers who want to make a positive impact on the world. Travel is one of the most beautiful activities and privileges in the world, and any type of experience you can have in a destination can really act as an inspiration to really connect you deeper with nature. It also comes with its own share of environmental and social impacts, and we need to talk about that. For this episode about regenerative travel, Brown Girl Green host Christy Drotman, an environmentalist who loves to travel, talks to travel experts about how we can globetrot more sustainably. When you're done listening, go subscribe to Unpacked by Afar, wherever you get your podcasts. You'll hear a different host each time answer your complex questions about traveling with a smaller footprint. Now here's the episode.
2: Welcome to Unpacked by a Farm. I'm Christy Drutman, also known on the internet as Brown Girl Green. I tell stories about how we can solve, or at least try to solve, the big environmental issues of our time. And today we are focusing on the travel industry. What exactly does sustainability and travel really mean? Turns out so much more than most of us think. Travel is one of the most beautiful activities and privileges in the world, but it unfortunately also comes with its own share of environmental and social impacts. And we need to talk about that. As we know, the climate crisis is a huge issue. And yet, for many of us, it can be so easy to set that aside in our excitement to get back out into the world. But given that travel is skyrocketing, and has now exceeded pre-pandemic levels, there's really no better time to figure out how we can make it better than right now. Maybe you already think about sustainability when you travel. If so, you're not alone. In 2021, Booking.com released a report on the state of sustainable travel around the world. According to their research, a whopping 87% of travelers want to travel more sustainably. So clearly, a lot of people are talking about this. But the reality is that only 39% of travelers actually manage to travel sustainably all the time, and 43% said that they sometimes, rarely, or never manage to travel in a sustainable way. Well, why is that? To begin with, it's difficult. Look, I'm an environmentalist, but I also love to travel, and for years I struggled to reconcile the two. What does it mean to be a quote-unquote eco-friendly traveler? I felt guilty about traveling and the potential negative impact it has on the environment. There are carbon emissions to consider, single-use plastics on airplanes and hotels, and all the little items you bring along to use only for travel but throw away and never use again like mini deodorant. I tried to minimize my impact by doing things like trying out soap and conditioner bars, offsetting my flights by purchasing some carbon offsets, trying to eat less meat, and so forth. But I had an inkling that there was more to it. Let's get a little academic for a second. The International Labor Organization says that sustainable tourism is composed of three pillars, social justice, economic development, and environmental integrity. I'd spent a lot of time focusing on environmental integrity, but hadn't considered the others as much. So in this episode, we'll meet two travel experts who expanded my perspective on what sustainable travel truly means. As I learned, sustainability goes beyond say, choosing public transportation over a car or choosing a metal straw over a plastic one. It's the framework we use to travel, the decisions we make before and during our trip, and interactions we have along the way that leave a far greater impact on the places that we're visiting. First, we're going to hear my conversation with Amanda Ho, co-founder and CEO of Regenerative Travel. Amanda works with hotels to create experiences that involve and benefit local communities as much as possible, what she calls regenerative travel. Her whole mission is to figure out what a sustainable travel experience looks like. We started by talking about what exactly regenerative travel means. For people who don't know, what are some of the ways travelers impact the environment and world negatively without realizing it?
3: Climate change is the most imminent threat to human well-being and the health of our planet and tourism is actually the second fastest growing industry in the world Hmm. as of 2019 and it's estimated to be responsible for eight percent of global greenhouse gas emissions in order to achieve the goal set forth in the Paris climate agreement the travel sector has to implement far-reaching rapid efforts to reduce emissions to restore and protect our planet but I think what we are seeing our perspective is really that there's a lot of mindless travel and in terms of the not intentional not engaging the local community travelers are really not taking the time to be more respectful and integrating mm. themselves and also more of an extractive mindset rather than looking at how they can contribute when they do travel so we really are championing this more intentional non-instructive inclusive and diverse equitable type of travel our organization we really believe that It has to go beyond just sustainability Um, we have to take into account everyone within the whole ecosystem and travelers are an inherent part of how they contribute when they travel to a place we really are trying to change the nature of how people
2: are traveling i love that and i love what you were saying about extractive versus non-extractive travel because i feel like that's at the root of rethinking the ways in which sustainability is done as you're you know participating in tourism And so I wanted to know if you could dive a little bit more deep into what is extractive versus non-extractive tourism. Starting from
3: the basics of just the language and terminology, we say that, you know, being green or eco is just doing no harm. Sustainability is reaching net zero, but regeneration is actually making something better. Mm -hmm. We really believe that being non-extractive is creating better conditions of life for everyone within the environment, within the community. And this really looks at how all parts are connected through this concept of whole system thinking, both humans, lands, animals, wildlife, everyone is, is really a part of this whole ecosystem. And we really believe that as a traveler, you have to tap into that whole ecosystem. And we really believe that from a redundant travel perspective, any type of experience you can have in, in a destination can really act as an inspiration to really connect you deeper with nature so actually returning home to yourself and being more mindful i think first and foremost we believe that regenerative travel starts with your own intentions and your mindset and how you want to engage with the community with the destination it's not just coming into a place and seeing okay what boxes can i check off i think we see a lot of this with cruising for example you know just going from jumping around from point A to point B and just, you know, maybe having an hour or half a day mm-hmm. just come in. And, and it really just brings about this type of traveler that is not really deeply engaging with the community. You know, the dollars that they're spending when they're just in the port might really not be reaching back to local businesses because they don't have the time to really explore, take the time to get to know the locals and really understand what makes destinations special.
2: You mentioned earlier that regenerative travel thinks about benchmarks. How do you even develop benchmarks for that? Could you explain that a little bit more?
3: Yeah, of course. And this really came about because we realized that there was so much greenwashing within the travel industry, as sustainability really became a trend. You know, everyone was just touting that they are sustainable, they're eco, you're green, goes beyond just, you know, not washing your towels every day and there's no plastic water bottles, (laughs) great. That should be, you know, the minimum. But we really realized that they're, without any measurement or benchmarking, really have no idea what you're doing. So we realized that we had to mandate all the hotels to then actually measure what they're doing across environmental and social impact. Um, So We developed 29 metrics that connect to broader frameworks, um, like the UN Sustainable Development Goals and also the B Corp Certification, Mm. where they're customized for small hotels. We measure 29 data points looking at waste, water, energy, on the social side, inclusion, education, and distribution. And then the last point is also legacy. But I think, you know, as a company, as an organization, we really are trying to champion social regeneration. So it's looking at how a hotel can you know, build their operations and programming to support underrepresented groups. Should they have upper management and underrepresented groups at the top? How much money is flowing back into the local community? How much money is being spent on educational outreach programs? Or skills training for staff. We really are trying to help hotels understand how they're uplifting their locals, uplifting mm-hmm. their staff, and really providing more opportunities for staff to be trained and rise within the organization rather than having to import GMs that are not based in the destination.
2: And do you have any like specific examples you could offer of like maybe a hotel or like a traveler experience that really embodies what you're talking about?
3: I went to another one of our hotels last. Summer in Tuscany. It's called uh, Oasi Hotel. And I think most people don't think of forest or nature as part of a traditional Italian experience. Mm -hmm. But Oasi is definitely one that really honors that. It's Mm -hmm. um, located near Pistoia, it's about the northern region of Tuscany. Again, if you know, being European gastronomic experience, I end up doing like cheese making, Mm we can do wolf tracking, like the whole preserve has been. Honored by WWF, so it's in partnership with World Wildlife Fund to protect the land, and they're opening up other locations around Italy. But essentially, when you go there, you're on this acres, hectares of land, and you really are immersed in like the most local Northern Italian Tuscan experience. OIC is also really incredible because at the base of the camp, they actually provide schooling and education for underprivileged, uh, disabled, disabled children. Mm. Um, so a lot of the funds generated from the hotel or actually support that organization called OAC Dynamo which is you know they're the beacon within the community and they also produce their own produce on um, their own like cheese jams and so forth that are sold to the, to the local community so they're just it's, it's such an incredible gastronomic experience that I think people don't normally associate with Italy and I think that's pretty broad and general across all of our hotels. Mm. We really are trying to get people out to explore these destinations that aren't traditionally associated with you know, Italy or Portugal, no most people go to Lisbon in the cities. We're really trying to get people out of these areas that are highly trafficked and dealing with over tourism to get them to explore these places that are more under the radar.
2: I really like that. I wanted to know, just because people who are going to be listening to this are maybe at the beginning of their sustainable travel journey, you know, what are some tips that you have for people before, during and after their trip?
3: The intentionality is first and foremost, but from more you know, some more practical measures, it's really looking at what is your accommodation. So how are you going to choose your hotel? Are you going to go with Airbnb? Maybe you're going to try and choose a more sustainable property. I think one actually one of the most actually basic ones is actually trying to maybe not go through a traditional OTA like Booking.com or Expedia. These OTAs, they charge quite a high commission rate. Actually, if you go direct to the hotel, you actually give the hotel much more, uh, much more of the, like, they don't pay a commission. For example, if you're booking a property that's supporting conservation, that allows that, you know, 30, up to 30 percent, commission that would normally go to the OTA, maybe that can be then contributed back to conservation um, and their foundations, you know, anything that they're supporting in terms of sustainability and regeneration. So that's just a basic one in terms of accommodation. I would then look at what type of tours are you going to do there and experiences. Can you choose experiences that are really you know, integrated with locals, I would definitely do your research. I would say that's one of the biggest parts of this is definitely doing your research. Are you supporting an organization that's a multinational, a big corporate brand, or are you supporting a local you know, mom and pop independent shop that mm-hmm. really you know, is run and operated by locals? Uh, looking at transportation, can you take public transportation? Can you take the bus? Can you take a train? Do you have to fly? Can you Rent a bike instead of maybe renting a car. You know, other more practical things are can you pack to reduce waste, like bringing your own plastic water bottle is a simple one. Um, can you bring your own conditioner and kind of reduce use of single use plastics at the properties? And then, lastly, you know, really essentially around it's really just how you can immerse yourself
2: back into local culture. I love that. I think it's about like when you are traveling it seems based on what you're saying to travel sustainably or you know thinking in this regenerative mindset you're ultimately thinking about what you're exchanging whether that be like your energy your money your resources the waste that you produce you're thinking constantly about that cycle as you're traveling is what it sounds like because you realize that it's going to leave some sort of impact and ideally you want it to be a positive one that's the mindset
3: yeah, that's exactly it. And obviously, you know, there's much more kind of more technical in terms of the environmental side of, you know, your carbon footprint and, and so forth. But we really believe that it, you know, ultimately comes back to it's an embodied experience, mm-hmm. you know, like, ultimately. And yes, you can choose to support certain businesses, but it's again, you know, whose lives are you impacting when you're traveling? Where is your money going? And I think that's everything that we try to preach in regenerative Travel is. You know, our hotels just act as that transformation opportunity because they have the experience, you know, on site where you know they have you know releasing baby turtles into the ocean, or mm-hmm. you're like having this amazing sundowner looking at you know, elephants and lions over the horizon. You're like, wow, like this is, this is incredible! Like, how can I save this for mm-hmm. kids, future generation? You know, how can I ensure that we protect this earth? Because I think really travel offers that moment of. Mm-hmm realization and, you know, transformation. But I think it's then how to translate that realization into actionable steps, not just when you're traveling, but when you're at home, when you continue on your travels, how can you really embody that understanding into your own life?
2: You know, for some people, they may see like that, trying to find sustainable travel options, like you were saying, requires some more research and time and maybe some more money since it is going you know directly back to local people and so for people who may see that like it might be a little bit more expensive or time intensive to invest in sustainable travel i mean you've already kind of hinted at it but could you explain a little bit more about the short and the long-term benefits on both Those local communities and the travelers, if they do make that investment. Definitely
3: get that at the end of the day, price point is, you know, can be a barrier to, you know, making some of the decisions and supporting certain businesses. But ultimately, you know, we really believe that travel should, it should cost what it is. But (laughs) we are ultimately supporting, like you said, we are supporting local communities. We are, you know, paying people fair wages. We are looking at, you know, giving benefits to you know people that are employed in tourism and all that has a cost. But ultimately you know there is a cost to conservation and it shouldn't, you know, it has to be sustainable and profitable. For example, like you just mentioned with you know the OTAs, that's a very simple way. It's like instead of like looking at booking.com and trying to get that cheapest rate, that twenty dollars that you're trying to save on booking.com, if you book directly with the hotel, that ultimately you can go back to the property and enable them to do more of the work that they're doing so i think it's mm. just trying to not think about this you know but you know how much are you actually saving in terms of you know, choosing one over the other i think there's still so many things that you can do on the ground in terms of how you're you know, being more sustainable and more generative like i said with the tours transportation the businesses you're supporting i think it really goes beyond accommodations definitely i think i think people just have to ultimately realize that there is a cost to, you know, investing into these types of businesses. And I think they should have more or have joy and appreciation for that because you should feel good about where your money is going.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's also like this idea of the kind of experience you're trying to have. Like you were saying, there is that very short term, insta-pick, like consumerist mindset of like, let me go in and just like extract from this place basically to show X, Y, and Z people that like, hey, I got to experience this. But it's like, are you really present? Are you really engaging with the environment that you're in, with your surroundings? Are you thinking about, you know, the impact you're leaving or is it just using this up, trashing it and leaving? That doesn't sound like something (laughs) if you do care about the environment is worth investing into, you know?
3: It's a way for you to really just to see you know, how other people are living, appreciate you know, their worldview, and maybe that will shift yours to, to really be more in tune with you know, our society or the global connectedness of the planet and realizing that we all have such a part to play in terms of saving our planet from climate change and just you know, creating a more inclusive, equitable society. We can do that in every day and how we interact with people. I think travel just offers that opportunity for us to really see that outside of our normal environments. I think people just a bit more, you know, kind of more at ease when they're traveling and feel a little more open to experiencing. And I think that's just such an important part of, you know, really helping us shift our mindset. So I definitely hope that people will continue to seek out this type of regenerative travel experience because I really think it can really just, you know, it has to be the way forward in terms of how we are living our lives.
2: If you want to learn more about how Amanda's work is helping change the travel industry, go to regenerativetravel.com. Amanda opened my eyes to how easy it can be to opt into most mainstream travel experiences without realizing the heavy environmental impact on areas that are often already overextracted and overvisited. So, regenerative travel in this way offers a simple alternative. This also made me realize how valuable travel can be in the future as a teaching tool to bring more people into the sustainability conversation. We're going to take a break for a quick word from our sponsor. We'll be back in a minute to look at a specific example of a place that has suffered from this type of non-sustainable travel and how we can instead apply a regenerative mindset to our future trips. Welcome back to Unpacked by Afar. My conversation with Amanda made me think about my most recent trip. In May, I spent two weeks in the Philippines, a place I know really well. It's where my family is from and i visited and lived there at different points in my life. I've observed that many outsiders have a misconception of the Philippines as just a dirty and dangerous place. And because of that, they overcrowd the most travel-friendly locations like Baracay or Palawan. On this most recent trip, I even decided to be more of a tourist myself and visited Palawan, a highly sought out destination. I told my family I was traveling there and my aunt found an all inclusive pre-prepared travel package for me. I was coming off of a long work trip in Cambodia and I was all in on an experience that would require a lot of enjoyment but little thought. I also assumed it was sustainable because the experience seemed to be run entirely by locals. But during the trip, some of my online community members shared that there are a lot of indigenous land protectors in Palawan whose land is threatened by mining and logging operations. They said that much of the tourism industry on Palawan actually covers up, and in some way, profits from this exploitation. I was so shocked. I knew that my trip benefited the local economy to some extent, but to be honest, I hadn't really done my research. And when you grow up in a brown family and they tell you they just got the plug, you kind of just go for it. It felt too awkward and weird to challenge my family and demand an eco-friendly experience when that wasn't something as readily known or accessible to them or myself. I now know that I didn't make the most sustainable or eco-friendly decision in that moment. But I'd like to make a better decision in the future for my next trip. So in this next segment, as a case study, I was able to talk to a travel expert and storyteller in the Philippines to get his advice.
0: For us, for myself and the team at The Grid, the real crux of sustainable travel really is about engaging in a sustainable way with local communities so that they can develop their model of the travel industry and have it become an income for the community and have it last for a very, very long time.
2: That's Paco Guerrero. Paco is one of the founders of Grid Magazine PH, which offers tips and advice about how to be a more intentional traveler within the Philippines, especially when it comes to different communities. Paco shared that one of the things that makes the Philippines so special is the number of indigenous people who call the islands home. He wants to see more travelers seek these communities out, and he wants to see more communities offer these travel experiences. He used the island of Coron as an example. Coron happens to be in Palawan, where I was on my trip. But on Koron, the indigenous Tagbuana people have full control. Paco explains more.
0: It was given over as an indigenous territory mm. by the Philippine government. So this means that any development or any tourism that happens in Coron is actually planned, controlled, monitored uh, by the indigenous group. Now that also means that the profits Go directly to them which is a big help to the community and it's an interesting model because it was a long fight to get to that point where they could control their own island but now it's one of the philippines best tourism destinations and Hmm. to stress the fact one of the reasons it is the best is because it is purposefully kept underdeveloped basically the indigenous people that have limited the access of travelers and developers to the island. Uh So you go to Koron on their terms, not on your terms. So they give limited access to the beaches and the lagoons. It's controlled as far as the number of people who are allowed every day. And also there are no large hotels or big structures on the island. Indigenous people have chosen to keep the structures there um, built with natural materials and in the local way of constructing you know, the very famous uh, Nipah huts you see from around the Philippines. And it's one of the most photographed islands in the country because you have these beautiful limestone cliffs and then this really quaint, very beautiful, original uh, Nipah hut, which is mm-hmm. just made out of bamboo and some weeds. Wow, That's a good example of uh, how this sort of tourism can really succeed.
2: But it's not like travelers have to choose Corona over, say, a more packaged experience in Palawan. The travel industry does support local communities.
0: The reality is the Philippines actually is also a very densely populated country.
2: So
0: mm. um, employment and economic development is definitely at the forefront of any push the government or the industry might have. That's a good thing. I mean, I think we all agree on that. So certain areas necessarily will be but we would say overdeveloped. But there's a lot left out there, small communities that are trying to develop their own form of tourism. And I think as a traveler, if when you book your trip, right, if you try and do a little bit of both, you know, yes, do the five-star resort, enjoy your time, and then, Uh, try and find something off the beaten path, try Mm. and find something that's community-based. I mean, I don't think for the traveler, it should be an either or situation.
2: Mm. When travelers look for, ask for, and book these experiences, it can create demand. That also helps communities refocus on their natural resources. Paco shared that the Philippines has a problem with people using dynamite and cyanide to fish in the coral reefs. But outsiders supporting the tourism industry can help.
0: As a traveler, I think, what you can bring is is yourself, right? The local community, and there are many stories like this around the Philippines, where local communities where were poisoning their reefs with cyanide and dynamite, and discovering that there's a dive site nearby transforms them into into a tourism.
2: Yes, realize, yeah.
0: Why throw dynamite into this water when I have, you know, these divers who are willing to come here, stay in a small hut, a resort open a dive shop and they'll hire me as their boat guy mm. so the more they see these things happening these success stories happening the side effect is sustainability right in these rural communities that are struggling with poverty struggling with access to resources sustainability really isn't the primary goal yeah There's always a side effect of sustainable development first
2: Paco shared one of the ways the pandemic and the lack of tourism unexpectedly affected the Philippines negatively.
0: I heard anecdotally, not the statistics yet, from several friends who are conservationist marine biologists. And they were saying that sadly, because of the COVID lockdowns, well, there are no tourists uh, traveling around the Philippines. So they were seeing more evidence of uh, poaching in marine protected areas. Wow. Because the local communities had no money, they they had no jobs, there was no tourism, and they needed to feed their families. So it sounds horrible, but that's the reality of it. So you see, conversely, you can see that with tourism operations and with profits from the tourism industry, it does have a direct impact. It can have a direct impact on sustainable practices.
2: I shared my Palawan experience with Paco and this tension that can exist between relaxing and enjoying a place while also caring about being a good steward of it. I've realized more and more that in the face of the climate crisis, we must be active rather than passive observers.
0: To build on what you said, I think the strongest role a traveler has in this issue of sustainable travel is exactly where they spend their money on. That's the most powerful. I mean, you can. You know, pick up trash, you can travel with your own bottle, not use straws. Really, the power you have is in your pocket. Yeah. And if other businesses see that the resorts and the tours and the islands that are pushing sustainability are making a profit, then it becomes a logical choice.
2: Paco talked about how tourism in the Philippines really originated in Boracay, an island that's become one of the country's top destinations for travelers.
0: All the other islands and mayors and communities who wanted to start a tourism program, the only model they had to look at and to study and to emulate was Boracay, which, you know, had a lot of failings. Sewage, energy, waste, very unsustainable. But those weren't issues when the island started to develop. So what happened? It's a model that's been extrapolated to many other communities around the Philippines and tourism destinations. And now they're suffering the same problems Boracay has. But there are resorts, resort developers, restaurant owners, and other communities that are showing a different model, showing a different way of doing it.
2: If you want to learn more about Paco and his team, visit gridmagazine.ph. Now, as we wrap up this episode, I want to share what I've gathered from our guests. First, yes, environmental protections are so important, but sustainable travel comes down to acting with intentionality and honoring and respecting the places that we visit. We can all aim to be the traveler who leaves the land, people, and waters that we visit better than they were before you arrived. Second, Traveling sustainably can add more curiosity, joy, and connection to your travel experience. That's because you're not just purchasing or buying into the first activity, item, or option you see. Yes, it may take a little more time, but by being mindful and evaluating the options in front of you, you can actually consider the ecosystem of the place and how to make a positive impact on it. That might mean buying locally made products and food, or reading literature or watching movies about the treatment of land and indigenous peoples in that area. And third, it doesn't have to be perfect. Even if your trip isn't 100% supporting the local economy, that's okay. As long as you intentionally try to invest some of your dollars, time, and effort into locally driven sustainable tourism, you're ultimately shifting the tourist economy increased demand for these experiences and increased efforts to protect local labor really can make all the difference. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Unpacked. If you'd like to learn more about me and my work, including my own show, Brown Girl Green, head over to browngirlgreen.com podcasts, videos, and blog posts discussing a wide range of environmentally conscious topics. We also have a green jobs board if you're looking to build a career in the sustainability space. Or find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at browngirlgreen. Ready for more unpacking? Read more at afar.com slash unpack and be sure to follow afar on Instagram and Twitter. We're at afarmedia. If you enjoyed today's exploration, we hope you'll come back for more great stories. Subscribing makes this easy. You can find Unpacked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And please be sure to rate and review the podcast. It helps other travelers find the show. This has been Unpacked, a production of Afar Media and Boom Integrated. Our podcast is produced by Aislinn Green, Adrian Glover, and Robin Lai. Post-production was by John Marshall media staff Jen Grossman and Clint Rhodes. Music composition by Alan Koresha. And remember, the world is complicated. Being an ethical traveler doesn't have to be.